some people have commented the reason she's named the treasure is the pricing. <laughs> so, which I can I can fully get behind. There you go. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, I know you love a good five-star review, so I've got one queued up for you this week. Just a big thank you to everyone out there leaving these reviews. Again, this one's dating back now to February. We're making progress, forward progress here on these reviews. So this one comes from Grover Loaf, uh, who writes, Great show for Disney fans, old and new. This show is great. It's not only a fun and entertaining listen, but full of useful information for Disney newbies like me and for those who have been going to the parks and on cruises for decades. Sam and Brian are a delight to listen to. So there you go. You're a delightful Sam. Oh, oh, thank you. I like being (laughs) delightful. I wonder if Grover's name has anything to do with the Muppet Grover, who I adore from Sesame Street. It would seem like a sure bet for a Disney fan. So yes. But speaking of delightful people, we have a delightful guest today. One of our favorites, Aaron Foster, the co-author of the unofficial guide for Disney Cruise Line, has returned to our show. And I have to start by just welcoming you back, Erin. Nice to see you. Thank you. I'll take delight any day. I appreciate it. I think we've described you now as delightful and comparable. There are many adjectives we could use to describe Erin. All of (laughs) them positive. Anything good I'll take. (laughs) The premier Disney Cruise Line expert because she literally writes the book on it. I write the book. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, Erin, we're not going to dive into your prolific background with the cruise line. If anyone's interested, folks can head back in our catalog. We've had Erin on several times. Suffice it to say, as Sam just said, she writes the book on Disney Cruise Line each and every year with some help. We know she's a co-author with some help. And for those of you watching, uh, you can see the magnificent number of unofficial guides in the background of the <laughs> video right now. It's a guide that we love and we own. So... We brought Aaron on because of all of the recent announcements about the treasure, the big reveal, and love to get her early thoughts. We did this with The Wish. We wanted to do it again with The Treasure, so we wanted to get her early thoughts on The Treasure. Aaron, maybe let me start at the top with just overall first impression. Excited or underwhelmed, I guess would be the... The treasure, to me, that my headline is Wish 2.0. You know, I mean, it's yep. just it's the Wish with a little different paint job, I think. Which is good and bad. I mean, there's lots of good things about The Wish and there's some things I wish were different about The Wish. And, you know, overall, slightly underwhelmed, mostly because we were expecting a lot. I was expecting a lot more new and exciting. And it seems to be and, and I completely understand why they didn't change things, you know, that the, 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 the ship is built, you know, the plans were built. But there were some of the things that I didn't love about The Wish. I wish that they had had an opportunity to change and they didn't. I'm excited about some of the theming of the new spaces and that sort of thing. But, you know, mine and I think um, a lot of people's bugaboo is the lack of the full walking track. And that's just the same. So I I hate literally hate that like that. Yeah. If I had to list the things I dislike about the wish, that would be number one on that list. I don't mind even if it was partial, like partial track, like a U, but you could actually complete the U. Yep. I would be okay with it. But you can't even complete the you and then you've got the stairs. It's just right. all, right. yeah, it's all a mess in my opinion. Yeah. So so that part's frustrating. And I think there's still some accessibility issues for people with mobility issues that I wish they had found another way to address. But again, those appear to be baked into the the plans. There are things that I am excited about. I am excited about the, the Jungle Cruise Bar. That sounds fun. 
And, you know, while they haven't officially announced it yet, there seems to be a haunted mansion space coming, which also seems fun. But it's Wish 2.0, which is sad in some ways, you know. Yeah, we actually heard from the media presentation that they did on board the Wish about the treasure that they essentially advised folks like, if we don't tell you differently, it's exactly the same as on the Wish. And so... I totally agree. Wish 2.0 is definitely... Do you think, skipping ahead for just a second, do you think Disney will just make it Wish 3.0 for the next ship? I mean, that seems to be the direction they're heading, but that would be the ship where they actually would have had enough lead time to make some structural changes, potentially. My guess is that they're not going to spend the money if it's working for them, if the ships are selling. And so unless you want to fill a certain time period for your travel, it doesn't give people a particular imperative to try the different ships. You know, to get the, you know, not the not the Grand Slam, whatever they're calling yeah. the, the, you know. That's... We're going to call it, we call the current one, the Fab Five. I think uh-huh. we're going to try to name the next one, the, what was it? The Big Hero Six, Sam, to that's get the right. six the in big there. Hero, <laughs> big Hero Six. And then we got the Seven um, Dwarves and All Bets Are Off and we get to Eight. I don't okay. know, I don't know what yeah. to do with Eight. Yeah. <laughs> what did you, Aaron, so one of the, so the running track is a consistent theme that we've heard. Yeah. The adult space is a consistent theme that we've heard on The uh-huh. Wish. The adult uh, pool area, to be yeah, which, specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, I, I, let me stop there for a second on the adult side of the the wish. I assume you've heard the same feedback we have, but I don't know if that feedback has muted over time as people have gotten used to the design. It does strike me as interesting that Disney kind of really shrunk that space down because if I think about it, you're talking about a bunch of adults getting on ships with kids and they're going to want to put their kids in the kids club at least part of the time and then go experience some adult areas of the ship, not be locked into like, I got to sit by the funnel vision in the pool. I mean, do you think that that's a, is that a design feature of the wish that over time people have just, you know, no, it works, it works. Or are you still seeing, hearing complaints from people that it's just too small and too crowded? I will say that, I, I mean, I saw you on the on the maiden voyage and I f- was overwhelmed by how small and claustrophobic that area was on that particular sailing. And then I went back a few months later to sort of like a more normal sailing with a more normal mix of adults and children. And I didn't love the location but I didn't find it as stifling when I went back with a normal mix of, you know, adults and kids. I still think it's too small. I don't love the location. I don't love that there are no snacks in the Cove Cafe. Yeah. Um, I forgot but, about that. You're right. Yeah. That is a big fail. <laughs> that, you know, we've got the Cove Cafe on all four other ships. You've got like the charcuterie and pastries and stuff. Right. And yeah. Oh, God. When it's not there. a short walk from that area down to like cabanas or something like you would yeah. think if you're, I was thinking right. this way, if you're supplying alcohol, you need to supply some food <laughs> for people. And I mean, I'm yeah. trying to remember, I don't even think there were like bags of chips you could nope. get or anything, you know? No, yeah. Which, right, you know, you need a little something to absorb the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you do have that in the other bar spaces, right? So like in Nightingales, they'll give you either like pretzels or those little uh-huh. baked fava beans. And same in like hyperspace lounge, we had like chocolate covered pretzels actually that were delicious. In and you, in the um, in the sports bar, you can buy right, you know, your eight dollar sliders or yeah. big pretzel or whatever. You know, yeah. the one thing that stood out to me. So they talked about how the wish was purpose built three night, four night sailings, and so that you know allowed people to forgive a lot of sins here, right? Yeah. Okay, like you don't need a running track because you know you're only going for three or four nights, so you run on a treadmill, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Seven nights or run different. on Castaway, right? Sure, but seven <laughs> nights is different and very I different. I don't know that I've heard the same refrain around the treasures being built for purpose built for seven night sailings. Which one of the big things that I had an issue with on the wish was the amount of storage in the staterooms that was becoming an issue just 
just on three and four night sailings. So on seven night sailings, I got to imagine that compounds. I haven't seen anything that suggests they've improved that situation for the treasurer. No, I have not either. I I heard one person who I don't know how well informed they were said they were going to make them some of the spaces drawers as opposed to just those shelves. But, you know, the second time I went, I knew to bring like packing cubes to be able to separate my stuff a little better. But then even then they would get sort of shoved in the back. It was it, it. it's very hard to organize. You're sort of more living out of your suitcase and pulling the suitcase out from under the bed more. Yeah, that that is a design flaw. I agree on on the wish. Yeah. What are we excited about? So you mentioned the Skipper Society lounge bar. I think it's just called the Skipper Society. Yeah. I'm really hoping we see like some crew training there to be punny. Absolutely. Actually, with yeah. a P. Yeah. What are you hoping to see out of that space? Well, when I first... Like when the announcement was happening and I first started to hear about it before I realized it was Jungle Cruise, I thought it was going to be Adventurers Club. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be amazing. And it's clearly not exactly that. But I I hope it gives a little of that flavor where there's, you know, the cast members there are really trained to play up the the environment even more so than maybe the folks in the, the hyperspace lounge yes. on the wish which they do some of it but make it make or break for that space it, if the crew isn't really doing the shtick you know otherwise it's just it's just another bar you know yeah, yeah exactly. it really they really need to do what they do at Trader Sam's on land yeah. or what they do on the Jungle Cruise ride in either mm-hmm. park which is you've got the you know you've got your skipper who's telling you ridiculously cheesy jokes throughout the whole thing and the names of the drinks. I also, I really think, I don't know what you guys think, but I really think they've got to translate the bar, you know, drinks from Trader Sam's to Skipper Society because they have all these like crazy names and they make jokes based on the names like the Tiki 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 Tiki, <laughs> whatever, you know, like it's like, and you have to say the right number of tiki's, or the, or the or the waiter makes fun of you, basically, yeah. or or even like the fun glassware. Like at Nightingales, they had those little cute little birds that I think disappeared after a while because they were walking away. I don't know, but but stuff like the the barware makes a big difference yes. in something that's supposed to be very highly themed. Yeah, you know? it seems like a no brainer, by the way, for them to put tiki glasses in there and sell them. Like that just seems like a no. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And they do that in hyperspace on the wish. Like you can, there are some, yeah. gla- there is some glassware you can buy. And so I I think you're right. I think they'll do that. Speaking of that, I was actually kind of surprised. So I agree with you 100%, Aaron, about because Arthur Quinn, I think, was kind of supposed to be a part of the Adventurer Society. Like, that's how I was taking his role in this whole announcement mm-hmm. and everything. So, like, I was kind of surprised by that. But then when they announced the Skipper Society, I thought for a second, like, oh, maybe that will be the replacement for hyperspace. Because if you think about things like Trader Sam's or the Tiki Room or those sorts of things, it's really just screens and like a, a space. It would like work mm-hmm. well to show, you know, the volcano erupting and the rain coming and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So it will be interesting to see what they do with hyperspace. To go back to your comment earlier in the show, I think we're all waiting with bated breath to hear it's going to be some transformed into some kind of haunted mansion themed bar. But they were so silent in everything they they sent out leading up to the big reveal. Nothing on the treasure map, really, haunted mansion theme that we could find. Nothing in the announcements. I doubt they've abandoned it, but I I would suspect it's going to be in hyperspace. I I rewatched this this morning just in prep for this, the, the 
like the the three minute version of the announcement. And there was, you know, there were the ghosts yeah. there. And, you know, in the, the media packages I saw that a lot of people had, there was ghosty stuff on it. Um, and something it, it made me worried that something's not ready or the tech isn't. But they still they still have like a whole year to. Yeah fix the darn thing. But it makes me wonder if there's a glitch that they don't want to tell anybody about, which is why they didn't, you know, because that would be a a good selling point, you know, other than the length of the itinerary, you've got to really, they they really have to give some people an incentive why they want to try out this other ship other than, I mean, the only things that are different are one restaurant, potentially one um, stage show, and a couple of bars. And that's yeah. that's the only difference, you know? Yeah. I mean, so that's a great point. I am interested to see what they do with hyperspace. I actually wonder if they're going to in some way, you know, because in hyperspace, you sit at that long bar, you have that big view screen in front of you. I instantly mm-hmm. thought if they're putting Haunted Mansion in there, wouldn't it be really fun if when you're sitting at the bar, they could interpose the ghosts next to you? So you're almost looking at a mirror with the hitchhiking ghost while you're sitting. Right. At like bar. at the end of the ride. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. that would be really fun. But and maybe that's maybe that's what they're trying to do. And the right. tech just isn't working for them. I don't I don't know. Well, and they've got to have booths. So- that look like doom buggies if we're gonna you know if we're actually gonna theme this space like haunted mansion yeah I, I, mm. they have a model here for this i've said this a couple times the the when they retheme the dvc lounge at top of the world to the villain's lair mm-hmm. they introduced a whole new menu of drinks and food and glassware and all of this sort of stuff that i think instantly translates into haunted mansion so i haven't been there yet and i'm going for a long trip at the end of october so you just put that on my list i gotta yeah, yeah. i gotta go over there well I'll also notice they have these cocktail glasses in that lounge for the drinks that I have noticed sitting in Hooks Barbary. So like they have them out as decorative in some of the spaces on the ship, and it just immediately brought to mind just throw that all into a right. into a bar, and right you might you might have the the roadmap for what it looks like. Yeah. Now, one thing I think we ha- we don't know, which you know we don't know if it's going to be hyperspace lounge that is transformed into we a do. haunted mansion theme bar, but we, so it, it's possible that space could be something else. Right. And it's yeah. also possible that nightingales could be the bar that is transformed into the haunted mansion bar. Although I'm still suspicious that it won't be because nightingales really is like an adult space and sort of the size and the shape of it, not really conducive to making it a haunted mansion themed space, at least my perspective and the, and the windows yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Whereas hyperspace is a more fully enclosed. Yeah. Yeah. I think they also need a place that's an adult music venue yeah. that's smaller. And, and that seems to lend itself more to the area that's Nightingales. And another thing that I'm a little disappointed that they didn't modify was the, the Luna space, which is now Sarabi. Is that right? Yeah. Which that's one of the, again, uh, in addition to the walking track, that's one of the places that I find most frustrating because there's so many interactive games that they're running there, even like bingo or whatever. It's like in order to really fully participate, you need to be down below and they've got cast members up above. But to get from one to the other, you've got to go outside, down the long hall, down the stairs, back down the long hall. And it's just the people upstairs are not fully engaged in the experience. I suppose if there's, you know, an interactive show or something that you don't want to participate, it's nice that you can hide upstairs. But, you know, maybe if there were an internal staircase, I guess that's something that they could do to to help that. But that's a little frustrating area as well. Well, and in closing it, there was lots of feedback about not enclosing it. And that seems like for me, not doing that that's not structural. That's not new. That's right. just literally putting windows up in spaces right. that exist, right? So yeah. that was a little weird to yeah. me that they left it yeah. open because it sounds like it's caused them some operational challenges in addition to kind of just folks' general frustration with the space. So, yeah. Oh, how so? Well, they've had well, to no at ways. night because it's adult activities. Yeah, only. yeah, yeah. 
uh, we've heard rumors or not rumors. We've heard reports of you know crew members having to like you know shoo kids out of the hallways from walking. during matchmate or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and and so yeah. you've blocked a hallway access between spaces on the ship that are adult and non-adult. Okay. And they have to go up a floor and over or down a floor and over, which you know that's yeah okay is kind of a pain for them. I yeah. didn't realize they were doing that. Yeah. yeah. The, the other operational issue is just with the noise because you've got mm-hmm. you know you've got the pub space right right there right yep. outside and that pub space is. Ju- trying to do trivia oftentimes while bingo is going on. And as you know, Aaron, bingo is like one of the loudest activities on the ship. And so with that open space, you're doing a pub trivia and bingo is going on at the same time. You're very much distracted. and Right. Or if there's a a big game on that people are cheering for and competing with the bingo or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of pub spaces, I will personally say one of the things I'm most excited about is this Periscope pub. I'm a little worried that it just won't live up to the uh, artist Mm -hmm. renderings that they're doing. Yeah. That's the part yeah. that concerns me based on Hyperspace Lounge. But yeah. what do you think about that new Periscope pub? I thought it was, I'll say this one more thing. I, I thought it was telling. It was the first time they've themed it to like not an Irish pub. Right, right. That's exactly what I was going to say. The others, although they have different names, they're all basically the same thing. You know, some some cozy European whatever. Um, it's, I think it's nice that they're trying something different. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Like I want those periscopes to actually work and show you something. And I have a feeling that's the first thing that gets valued engineered out of this proposition is no, they're just decorative. They're just decorative. Or or it's the kind of thing that will be really cool for the first four sailings and then they'll break and it's the Yeti all over again that never works. You know? Yeah. I did hear some folks complain and it's an interesting complaint. They were like, well, if it's periscope and the ceiling means you're underwater, then why are the portholes looking out on the ocean right. above water, right? Like, why wouldn't you have put screens in there to make it all yeah. submerged, right? So that was kind of an interesting piece of feedback. I also, I do think it's a little strange that if you're going to put some IP in the pub, which they really haven't done a lot of, although they're in the wish there is little, there are, there is little IP, you know, elements in the, in the pub, but in, not in the other pubs on board, the other ships. But I did think it was a little weird of a selection to pick 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea because that's like really old. Let's put it on there. Not, not a lot of people know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know what it is. And in actually, one of the European parks, I know you probably know better than I do, Aaron, but there, I know there is like a, is it in Tokyo Disney Sea? There's like a Jules Verne themed ride or something like that. But in the United States, it's just not yeah. that big right yeah. now. Well, it used to be, right? If you it think used about to it. Be. Yeah. Yes. If you think about it, like the theme of the ship while well, it's adventure, the spaces are being themed to and they've been very specific about this. It's the rides, right? It's it's not that Skipper Society is themed to some generic sort of like it's not the IP from the movies, it's the ride that they're trying to capture, right? And so Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, I think it's supposed to harken back to when those submarine boats were not themed to Nemo or whatever they yeah. were. They were themed to Jules Verne. So. But they're not doing that in the Atrium, which is very Aladdin movie themed. They're not doing that in Sarabi, which is Lion King movie themed. They're not doing that in They Coco. have the flying carpets of Aladdin. They have the flying carpets well, of Well, it's not the ride. ride right? It's not the ride. And then in Coco, Plaza to Coco, there's no Coco ride. Yeah. We're going to have Coco yeah. show. Now that you're saying this, I am baffled by the choice to put the Aladdin show on The Wish and not on The Treasure. Yes. Like, what, what is it? 100%. Yeah, because the, the theme of the wish is like princesses, right? So like, why wouldn't yeah. you have had like, I don't know, Tangled. The Beauty not and the Beast. Yeah. 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 Flip them or, you know. Yeah, they totally, that would actually be smart to flip the two. They're not going to obviously now that no. they announced yeah. it. But, you know, that would have been actually smart to say we're going to move Aladdin onto the treasure, but we're going to bring Beauty and the Beast onto the wish. Well, and P.S., why didn't they name this ship the adventure? Just to put it out there. Right? Like, Thank you. 
what is going on there? I don't love, I mean, yeah. you know, people before when they announced the three ships, however many years ago, it was like the Imagine, the Wish, not the Treasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, before we keep going on spaces, let's spend a second there. So the, some people have commented the reason she's named the Treasure is the pricing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which I can I can fully get behind. There you go. Were you were you at all surprised at the pricing for this ship? So my 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 take on this is generally the three four night cruises are priced higher on a per night basis than seven night sailings because that it doesn't give you the same sticker shock as a seven night sailing, but you're still extracting kind of a little bit more cash out mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. This one is not following that. That model, these cruises are pricey. Have you big money? Yeah. Big money. What are your um, thoughts on the this pricing? And and I'm hearing like a maiden voyage. I haven't checked today. Is not sold out. It's not sold out. I I checked this morning. It was not sold out this morning. You know, I mean, some of that I'm sure has to do with Christmas. I personally did not book the maiden voyage because you know my my kids are young adults and they're still at the they still want to be with me on on you know Christmas and we just my oldest daughter's married now. We simply could not afford. Three, I mean, three stateroom. Yeah. For that that it was just sort of ridiculous, and so we'll go a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I the the pricing for that first one is sort of you know it's the compounding of the holiday and the the new ship and the it, I, I I keep thinking about their choice to do that. I wonder if they almost did it on purpose to sort of dissuade some of us the blogger vlogger people yeah. from not doing that first sailing. I think some of the most excitement that was generated out of these announcements was Plaza de Coco. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you, what are your thoughts on Plaza de Coco, Aaron? Are you, is that an exciting space for you or? Um, I, I think it is. As with all the, the restaurants on DCL that have, enter, you know, live entertainment, I worry about noise levels. You know, mariachi is horns to me and that, you know, the reverberating in the metallic spaces on board a ship could be a lot. Even Tiana's on the Wonder can be kind of loud. I happen to love Mexican, South American food that sort of thing. So that works for me. I hear a lot about people who are fussy about food and I wonder if they'll be nervous about it. That's that's my take. I, I The noise is a concern of mine. I also wonder if it's going to be the same set up as Arendelle with the stage in the center or if the mariachi stuff is going to roam a little more mm. because the sight lines in that room can be quite problematic depending on where you're sitting. Yeah, I hope they are a bit more like I hope it's adventurous food like a Tiana's place that it's not just bland kind of, you know, Mexican style Mm -hmm. food that they go a little bit, you know, toward the Mm -hmm. more Tiana's place side of things with the food. Mm -hmm. They're missing a sure bet, by the way, if the bread service is not chips, guacamole and salsa. (laughs) Everyone is expecting that. No, Aaron, you you said that, you know, there's not a lot new here. One thought that has come to my mind is they will have to develop a whole second round of rotational dining menus for the treasure that mm-hmm. they don't have for the wish. In Plaza de Coco, it seems hard to not continue the theming of the space for that. But I worry a little bit that like in Worlds of Marvel or 1923, it'll just be taking other menu items from other restaurants across the fleet and cobbling them together. I don't know. Do you get any experience with what di- how Disney has handled these like new menus when they've had to roll them out? I, I think your point about them taking menus from other ships or other nights or of, you know, I, I think that that's what will happen. I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got a, your escargot in various forms on all yes. the ships, you know. I was I mean, say the Royal Court Royal Palace <laughs> menu is going to uh-huh. go in 1923 for yep. the other night. That's what my guess is. Yeah. Worlds yeah. of Marvel is a harder call and Plaza de Coco is a harder call of what you put in those spaces. Yeah. But now that we're talking about Worlds of Marvel, I'm I'm taken back to the announcement for The Wish and a lot of the things that they promised for The Wish that didn't come true. 
you know, the there was a lot more, oh, the food's going to shrink and grow and whatever. And, you know, there that didn't really happen. <laughs> or even their description of Marceline Market, it was like the festival of foods. And, and we did this whole thing where we were calling it not a food court, we were calling it I don't know. We, we, yeah. we had some other, they described it like each land, like we were thought there was going to be like the Zootopia window and the Lion King window for your food. And that was just, it's just cabanas with like different, yeah. you know, yeah. different, different stuff. It's so, just a prettier cabanas in my right. opinion. Um, <laughs> with I mean, a coffee bar. With a coffee bar. The, <laughs> the, food, the food is better on the Wish than the other ships, particularly in that pool deck, you know, area. But there was so much exciting on the Wish that was announced that when it actually came true, it didn't, it was good, but not quite what they had advertised. And so now that the treasure is Wish 2.0, I'm wondering, is it the same thing? Like, did they mute it on purpose? Did they, yeah. is it going to match more directly with what actually happens on the ship? Or is it going to be a step down? Like the, the periscopes, they're saying it's going to do X, Y, Z, but is it really going to do something entirely different? Because they, yeah. you know, like I've learned to, you know, expect that it's not going to be entirely the hype that the PR people put out, but I'm a little nervous about what is going to happen, you know, between the the announcement and the actuality on this. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL L Duo, so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. Yeah, I, I would be... So, like, I'm okay with having similar spaces across the fleet. Like, we, you know, Animator's Palette exists on every mm -hmm. ship leading into the, the Wish class. Yep. So I get having Worlds of Marvel come across. But the difference for me is Animator's Palette, you know, supports three different shows depending on which ship you're on at any given mm -hmm. time. If Worlds of Marvel, if the second show they develop is just more quantum core stuff, like that's not interesting. Like, where's the innovative thing to that restaurant, right? Like, right. you know, you get Turtle Talk with Crush at Sea, which was really innovative at the time or this, you know, animation magic. Like, what's the thing you can do with Marvel that makes it better than just the quantum core show for the second the second right. show? So, right. yeah, I, I do worry that it's just going to be a recycling of that kind of thing. And I actually, you know, again, to the point, like, I don't mind some spaces being repeated, but I think to your point, Aaron, I'd love to see them like better, like improved, <laughs> like the second time, like this is version two. So right. where can you take yeah. this in version two? You'll have the, the superheroes doing the dance on the screen yeah. as opposed to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you know, but, sort of a preview of like when the wish goes to dry dock, how will this space be upgraded to match what's new on the treasure, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I'm not, to your point with Marceline Market, I'm not seeing a lot of that. I feel... I, <laughs> I think Marceline Market and the Festival of Foods are going to be cookie cutter exactly what we have on the wish. You know, they, they haven't indicated, you know, that there's going to be anything different there. And my bet is there's going to be zero difference between those two things. Also, 
shocking that the kids space appears to have zero different. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. In fact, they really specifically called out these are the exact same spaces oh. as on the wish. And I'm like, we can't give the kids a little something. New? Why is there no, you know, instead of, I don't know, pick one, the fairy tale. Why is that not Zootopia theme to make it a little different, you know, yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. I know. Yeah, well, and sure. Marvel, like, even if you want to keep it Marvel themed, why don't we introduce some new Marvel characters in that Marvel themed space, right? Or something like that. They, there's ways to sort of put a spin on what they already have and just, like you said, make it better. I mean, for example, we haven't heard anything about Uncharted Adventure. My guess is mm-hmm. we're going to have cookie cutter exactly what's on the wish on the treasure as far as Uncharted that, Adventure. That feels like it's actually ripe for change. And because even so on the wish, you play this series of games that leads to to an ending and it's like keeping your progress because so we've gone back a couple times right and if you open mm-hmm. the app you've still got all your points it shows mm-hmm. what you've completed you can do stuff again it does feel like that is ripe for like cookie cutter in the standpoint that you're going to have pictures up and stuff but the actual content of it I feel like could be easily changed because it's all software right and so yeah. like give us a new experience something new to go out and find maybe it's not the wishing like star this time yeah different Muppet games on the other you know yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. yeah exactly the one thing that I will be very upset if they do what they did on the wish, which is not have the third show ready for the maiden voyage. I thought it was okay on the wish because it was a shorter cruise. We only had a five night maiden instead of having a seven night maiden. And then we had Jody Benson, obviously performing on the maiden because of that. I was not, well, I wasn't disappointed because it was also Aladdin that we didn't have, which I'd seen on the fantasy, of course, and I've seen on Broadway. But if the new show, Moana, if that's not ready, I'm going to be really mad. I'll be honest. They they had the supply chain excuse, you know, and the delay of the first couple sailings and whatever, but that's not going to fly this too much. Yeah, I I don't think so. Like folks have said, you know, I actually had a friend reach out and said, I'm going to, I'm going to book the maiden because, you know, if they move it again, I'll get that 50%. I was like, look, they're putting it at Christmas. That's a bold move. You don't cancel people's Christmas plans no, if they decide to no, book with that you. would like, really yeah. because you can't like yep. spur the moment yeah. rebook Christmas week you know yeah. I mean that's just not well, and, I, and I don't yeah. think a 50% discount would cut it for anybody at that point. They'd be like, you need to give me a free cruise at at that point. Yeah. So like my perception is they pushed this maiden out based on their experience with the wish and they understand they have a target to hit. They have to have a ship that is fully ready to go with all experiences lit up for that maiden voyage. It may still be a little rough on the pre-voyages leading into the maiden. Mm -hmm. But my suspicion is they're taking delivery of this ship at some point in like September and they're spending the rest of the next several months getting her fully ready to go. Because the other part of the show problem, right, Sam, was they stage wasn't fully ready until like Correct. the eve of the main voyage. And it so they wasn't couldn't built. rehearse. Yeah, it, the theater wasn't built, basically. They were still yeah. building the theater until like the very last minute. And so, you know, the 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 actors were able to rehearse and they, they do all their pre-show rehearsals in Toronto. They don't do that on the ship, but then they do get a chance. They need to have a chance to use that space and work with the sets on board and work with the props on board and coming in the right doors and things like that that they don't have in Toronto. In Toronto, they're just using like a plane, probably an empty plane stage, right? So the, the other thing for the performers that very aware of is that they're on a moving vessel. And, you know, if these people haven't been cruise performers in the past, you know, you come down wrong and the ship is in a slightly different position. There goes your ankle, you know, I mean, oh, so yeah. they need to practice and warm up on a moving vessel or it's yep. not safe for them, you know? Even docked is not a good, it's not a good practice. 
practice, to your point. They need to yeah. be able to practice while the ship is at sea, while things are moving. Well, and, and on the Wish, a lot of the challenges they had were actually some of just the technical challenges in the theater, like lifts not working, lighting not working properly. So again, that's all stuff you, you test and adjust before you do your, mm-hmm. your maiden. So I think they've built enough time in here to deliver. I, I don't think that they can recover and plan to sell a maiden voyage on a third ship if they can't get this one right. Because then people will be like, I tried it once with the wish and it didn't mm-hmm. work. I tried it once with the treasure. It didn't work. You know what? Let some other fool come along and book this maiden voyage. I'll wait six months until everything's they, ready. They were, you know, to your point, they were advertising all along that it was going to be fall of 2024. And it's literally the last possible. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking they had a, originally wanted to say like October, but they learned their lesson and, you know, they're they're making sure all the, yeah. the I's are dotted and D's are crossed, you know. Which is not unusual right now for cruise lines taking delivery of new ships. Some of them are taking delivery and spending months kind of with them to get them ready to go. So Well, I, Virgin I, yeah. Virgin Voyages has now delayed one of their ships. I don't even like know how long, but multiple times. We have a, a friend who is a Disney cruiser who was scheduled to be on Virgin Voyages for the first time on its brand new ship. I don't even remember the name of it. Um, Brilliant Lady, maybe? Not Valiant Lady, because I know Valiant Lady is the one that's yeah. already out. But anyway, she's been delayed like three times. And so, you know, for months. So what are they giving her? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a percentage off, but how many times? A compounding you, right. percentage, yeah. As, right. as each delay gives you another 20%. Yeah. Right. Like how yeah. many times can you give a percent? Eventually off? we're going to pay you to sail on this ship. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be fair, the, the wish, the 50% discount was huge. Yeah. I mean, we were looking at the price, you know, as compared to the treasure. And of course, you compare the price and there's already there's sticker shock as there would be anyway, because you're talking about seven night cruise versus a five night cruise and you're talking about Christmas. But then you compound that with the fact that we had 50% off the Wish Cruise because it got moved. Yeah, I, I really do wonder if Disney has hit a pricing wall or if this was just kind of an intentional thing to keep people off the main, but even off of some of the other voyages to really make people think like, you know, do I want to go on some of these these voyages? Because, you know, this, the premium to get on the treasure for a seven night cruise is not insignificant as compared to like the fantasy right now. Have you, have you guys heard about what the fantasy is going to be doing and? say, you know, a year after that? Are they going to keep just doing the seven-night loops? Um, my, we, my suspicion is heard. the fantasy will move down to Fort Lauderdale because they need the liquid natural gas refueling for the new ships up in Port Canaveral. And they've made such big commitments to the port of Fort Lauderdale around number of ships are going to have sailing out of there year round that my suspicion is the fantasy moves down there. And it might yeah. do that four, four, five pattern like the dream had been doing. And and I mean, we'll see what they what they end up doing, because yeah. obviously the dream only spends part of the year over in in Europe. But yeah, it's I think it's still up in the air. We haven't heard what exactly that where, where all of the ships, frankly, are going to yeah. be. We still don't yeah. know. Other than the Wonder, I think we all know, like, the Wonder is going to be, you know, continue doing, doing Alaska. Australia and Alaska. Exactly. And then so it'll, yeah. in between, we'll get some, there will be some small number of West Coast sailings. But you know, we much. did hear some rumors earlier this year, Sam, that the Fantasy might make her way up to do Alaska sailings at some point, which is fascinating to me. It'd be great to see that. How, how is she going to get there? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, she can go through, they can go through the canal. They can, she's, she can fit through the new canal at least. Okay. So she's Panamax size. Yeah. I mean, because right now they don't even have Panama Canal cruises, I think, for one of the years, right? Because none of the ships are positioned through the canal. Yeah, Correct. So. This year they've got the magic is going to be coming through the canal in just a couple weeks and making her way to the West Coast. And we're sailing on her for Thanksgiving. And then obviously she'll head back down and she'll 
go back to, you know, Galveston and New Orleans and, and whatnot, and then eventually to Florida. It is interesting. Disney seems to be doing a port consolidation a little bit. Like, I'm not sure if they'll continue in New Orleans in the next release cycle. I don't know when their port agreement ends, but like, it seems like they've made huge commitments to Galveston, huge commitments to the Fort Lauderdale area, and huge commitments to Port Canaveral. And, and San Diego is even up in the air these days. I, so. I'm going out of New York in a couple of weeks, and I live you know, half an hour from the port at New York and love it. Love, love, love sailing out of there. They're not booked to go there in 2024. And, you know, I've got fingers crossed for 2025 because it's so incredibly convenient for me. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these ports don't light back up once they have like a third ship in the mix here in the U.S. Like the the adventure over in in Asia really doesn't do much to help us. But once a third ship lights up in the U.S., then it's like, okay, well, now we've got more capacity for more, more ports. But Aaron, I wanted to ask you what was most surprising to you out of the treasure reveal and and you know aside running track aside perhaps what was the <laughs> what was the thing that you were looking for that you just didn't get out of the the announcements they've made running track and also that the kids clubs were identical absolutely identical i found that shocking almost that they didn't just change up one or two of the rooms you know yeah any thoughts about the adult dining and you know we now, oh, we, yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew we had heard actually when we were on board the wish from the chef that there was going to be no change. I don't know if he was allowed to tell us that, but that he was involved yeah. in, you know, what are they going to do? Get another five star Michelin <laughs> chef to or three star Michelin <laughs> chef to come in and cook? Yeah, yeah. Well, but he was talking about how the only changes were going to be things that the guests wouldn't see, right? There was going to be some back of house changes, you know, like where a, a certain station yeah. might be, right? So, nothing that any of us would be aware of. Um, that was just going that they sort of learned from the, you know, some things that needed to be slightly changed, even like a door, there was some door that they said was a constant problem, yeah. that they were going that they had actually fixed finally on the wish and they were gonna, you know, it was going to be fixed for the treasure as well. But yeah, no new theming. I guess I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't I, surprised it's, it's going to be Paulo, but I don't know, they could, couldn't they have I mean, we've got different theming in Paulo on the wish. Could we have gotten a little bit of new theming? I mean, Remy is you know, the same on the dream and the fantasy. And I wasn't, you know, enchanté, fine, that they call it what they call it. I hope the decor isn't exactly the same. I find the decor, particularly at Enchanté, to be non-restaurant-like in a way. It almost feels like a spa. It's too... Like a bathroom. The right, marble, it's right? It's too white. Like, I've got food. I want, I'm want. i not ordering red wine in Enchanté because, you know, I'm a clumsy person. God, you spill it and you think that you burn the place down, you know? <laughs> it is. Um, it's very, like clean and sterile. Yeah, it's a little too (laughs) sterile. I'm with you. I think it a yeah. little bit warmer tones like yeah. you have in Remy uh, is better. And and actually, even in Paulo next door, right, you've got, mu- and the rose, you've got all these like yeah. warm reds and browns and whatnot. And yeah. you've got this like gray and white and a little bit of gold in that. Right. Yeah, in Enchante. I, I'm with you. I think it's a little bit sterile, a little bit cold. It's beautiful, but it does feel like a, like a really beautiful bathroom. Right. It doesn't feel spa. like a restaurant to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just disappointed. Like, I would love to see them. Palo's getting a little tired for me. Like, it, to just be perfectly honest, like it's on yeah. every ship. I know people love it. I sure would love to have seen a completely new concept. I, but that ship, so to speak, sailed with the wish. And you know, Enchanté and Remy are great ads. You know, are great restaurants. I should say. I would love to see just more menu differentiation. I guess, like you know, again, I think you made this point early on, Aaron. Like a reason to get on this ship that is not just the decor is different. Make like a sushi bar or a fondue place or 
something different, you know? Yeah. What other cruise lines are doing, frankly. I mean, Hibachi, Royal's Hibachi been doing Grill? forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the, where's the interesting experience? And also, I do wonder, could we get away with opening up? Like, Royal does those nice add-on, you know, restaurant experiences, but they're open to families. Like, you can bring your kid to the Hibachi Grill, right? It would have been interesting to see them kind of open that ability to have a nice dinner with your kiddo there, as long as they're sort of well-behaved, right? right? Well, they could have done, like, an upscale, like, Italian, right? They could have had a Apollo similar, like an upscale Italian that you can bring your kid to. And maybe they have like a minimum age of... Right, make it 10 or 12 or something. Right. I mean, one of the th- most things that I, I'm I'm still the most salty about was my, my oldest daughter, we sailed to Alaska when she was two weeks away from her 18th birthday. She had already Aww. graduated high school. She, you know, and it was like, they were just not going to let her into Palo. They were just not. And it was like, she's more well-behaved than I am. She's, <laughs> she's I'm not joking. She's way more mature than I am. Her manners are better than mine. Like, like she's into college. Like, She's better prepared than I am to go to this restaurant. And they were like, nope, not having it, you know? Yeah. I I also wish they would have rethemed. If they were going to retheme anything, I wish they would have rethemed the Rose Bar. It's a great bar on The Wish. Mm -hmm. And it has, you know, that great entrance and the Rose under glass and all that sort of stuff. That was an opportunity, I feel like. Let's align that to the adventure theming. Like, what's the adult bar you're going to put up there between these two restaurants that would align into your your overall adventure theming? I got to ask, Aaron, what did you think about, I mean... I think we all knew they were going to continue the Tower Suite. Speaking of things they should have swapped, I don't know why the Moana Tower Suite is on the the Wish and the, you know, generically themed right. Epcot Tower Suite <laughs> is on the Treasure. I don't know what that has to do anything with adventure. But any, I mean, I, I guess probably you weren't surprised to see them continue that space. But what did you no, think of the decision no. to theme it out to Epcot? I, like you just said, there just seems to be a mismatch between what, when, where. Like maybe the tchotchkes weren't ready, so they couldn't do it on <laughs> the Wish. I don't know. Uh-huh. Or, or in, I'm thinking, like, does it have to do with adventure because they're retheming Epcot? You know, I mean, because they've got this world of water and whatever other stuff they're finally going to end up with at Epcot. Like, does that make Epcot more adventurous? Um, yeah. but, I, I just um, don't understand. Of, of all the things to change, I actually think that's a bad change, right? Like, why not just make it cookie cutter exactly like the yeah, Moana yeah. one on the... But get, <laughs> but get that heart of Tafiti to actually work, to actually work right, out, because right. that never has happened, apparently. Or if you're going to do an Epcot thing, make it available to more people. Literally, there's only like one family per cruise that's ever going to see that. And I love Epcot. Epcot's my favorite park. I would like to have that integrated somewhere, you know. Yeah. Well, it is interesting to me with the Tower Suite. Again, that space was sold out for the entire inaugural season within like a week of the cruises going on sale. And it is still available on almost like on many, many sailings (laughs) currently. It just makes me think Disney overreached on some of this stuff. Do they book it for celebrities? Probably not. You know, I mean, or special guests or, you know, is that where Neil Patrick Harris stays when he sails or, you know, Jody Benson or whatever? Or I mean, I haven't heard them pulling it. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure that there is some way that NPH's people could reach out to Disney and yeah. say, look at the sailing. Can you pull it out of inventory? Yeah. For now? I'm sure that that could happen. But I, I mean, I'm, I haven't heard of them like reserving it. It's always available yeah. to book. Right? Yeah. So. Except, yeah, except for on those preview cruises because they used it for like tours. And then, tours. of course, our agency sponsor, Karen, she actually got a, a free night. In, you know, she got essentially upgraded for one mm-hmm. night on that christening cruise to the Tower Suite through like a raffle for travel agents. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
I, I don't think that they take that out of inventory. I do think that they use the other royal suites yeah. for that exact purpose. Yeah. So like Jody Benson was clearly in concierge on the yeah. maiden voyage. I don't know what room she had, but I imagine it was at least a one bedroom, if not well, a and bedroom. Yeah. We heard from Chris, who stayed in that suite and uh, enabled us to sit and have a drink and tour it a little bit with him, that he preferred the royal, the two-story royal suites to the tower suite. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they use for those kinds of guests, because it's like right there next to the concierge line. So they don't even have to walk through public spaces on the ship to get there. You can be ensconced in your suite all the time. It's also like, like a weird view. People can see into yeah, your, you know. Yeah, for sure. I wish they would have redesigned that a bit. To, I, I, I don't understand why they can't put a balcony off one side, like private fireworks viewing for yeah. people staying in that suite. But yeah, Disney seems to be adding more and more of that concierge capacity and between the price of it and the amount of it and all that sort of stuff. Again, I just like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if they've overreached a bit yeah. in this space. So. so Aaron, were you surprised or not surprised that the treasure is not sailing to, I got to get this right, Lookout K at Lighthouse Point. Lighthouse Point. I think that that's how they're getting people on the old ships. Yep. You know, that's, 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 I'm, I'm going to go on, not on the, the three night one where they, the very first one. And that's why I'm going on the magic to, to get there. And so that'll, entice Disney Cruise Line people for, say, two years, maybe, because they want to get to the new island. But I'm wondering what's going to happen to the magic specifically after that. You know, Len Testov, you know, my my co-author has said for a long time that cruise ships have a, a lifespan and that the magic and the wonder are getting toward the sort of, you know, the time when other cruise ships of that age would be sold to a smaller line or right. repurposed or something like that. And I, I feel like using the magic, at least this first year, to get to Lookout Lighthouse is gonna, is a way to keep her in the mix. But I'm curious what will happen after, say, a year or two of that. Yeah, although they only sort of got halfway through their dry dock improvements. And we've heard that she's slated for yet another dry dock to kind of continue. Because so like the concierge lounge yeah. got kind of halfway to what the Wonder has and they stopped. And the speculation is, well, the, they framed it out to do everything that the Wonder has. They just didn't have a chance to build it. So they'll do that the next round. Mm -hmm. I've, I've talked to a few folks where we've speculated, like, it would be hard for Disney to sh sell their ships down market like other cruise lines do because they're so, they're designed so iconically. And it would take a lot to rip a lot of the theming out of them to make mm -hmm. them usable. Like Disney's not going to sell a ship that's like, here's Disney Light that you can go on for half the price with a budget cruise mm -hmm. line and you know that sort of thing, right? So, I, and it feels like they'd people, be ripping out all the ironwork and all the light yeah. fixtures and you know, yeah. right, well, all those hidden Mickey's everywhere. Yeah. But they absolutely won't let anybody else use their IP, right? So they, yeah, that, that's a fair point. That's yeah. why it's but, so hard but, to know what people love. Do. People love those smaller ships, which makes me wonder if they're going to keep them in rotation just to keep that crowd going? Because I, I also wonder, like, when they retire them, will they replace them or will they not? And will they just replace them with the next round of, like, mega ship, like, which seems to be the trend in the industry. But there's a lot of Disney fans who are like, I love to sail the Wonder and the Magic because they are smaller and they can get into those smaller places that the other ships can't go. Yeah, so. you're talking to one right here. If I have to pick, like, now, now that I've been on the Magic since her dry dock, I honestly would say I would, I would pick the Wonder or the Magic first before yeah. I, if I'm going to pick what ship to sail on yeah. now, of course, itinerary matters and, you know, shows matter and things like that. But I just love those smaller ships. I love the intimacy. I love, you know, the feel, the warmth. But I think to your point, Aaron, at some point they do have to retire them. I just yeah. don't know. I don't think it's two years away or three years away, but I don't think it's 15 years away. I mean, like, like to your point, there are people at 
uh, Disney World that absolutely adore Old Key West, you know, and that's not the bells and whistles place, but it feels like home to them. And for lots of people, the magic or the wonder feels like home. Yeah. Let me uh, let me see if I can wind us down a little bit here with a bit of a kind of a rapid fire round with you, Aaron, as there's some bunch of other things that are in the mix. We've mentioned Lighthouse Points or sorry, Lookout K or Key at Lighthouse Point TM, right? That's why they had to name uh-huh. that. What are you, you got to put lo- the Disney's at the front of that? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Also, the logo looks a lot like the logo from what was that show? The seven hour tour. Milligan's <laughs> Island. Yes, the logo looks a lot like that. So hopefully we won't three get hour stuck there. Three, three hour tour. Three hour tour. That's right. The three hour tour. What are you most hoping to see as more information comes out about Lighthouse Point? And from what you can tell right now, like what are you, I don't want to say concerned about, but what's catching your attention at like a, mm, I don't know if they're getting that one right. I'm concerned that there's going to be a lot more things that are up charges. A lot, you know, sort of, I don't know if, you know, a fancier water parky sort of thing that you got to pay an extra whatever for maybe a different restaurant that costs more or needs a reservation, that sort of thing. I'm a little nervous that the inclusiveness that happens at, at Castaway will not fully be there at Lighthouse, Lookout, Light, whatever it is. That makes me a little nervous. That's an interesting idea, but just from the standpoint that you have the older ships sailing there and their price points are much lower than the newer ships. So it's a way to kind of extract that additional value that Disney seems to be finding ways to do. What about the adventure, Aaron? Yeah, well, I, that ship is such a mystery right now in terms of what it will be. And I mean, all we know right now is the name, the home port. And I think that's about it. But what type of fuel, fuel she'll run on, but yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a different audience. It's a different. I think it's going to be geared to an Asian audience. I think there might be more smoking and a casino and all sorts of things that are not Disney in America. You know, I think there'll be certainly shows and IP and, you know, there will be the hidden Mickeys and all that stuff because there is a, a big Asian appetite for that. But I think that, you know, just like when Disney Paris opened and there wasn't wine and they were like, that is not our culture. I'm sorry. You cannot have that. I think that they might have learned some lessons from that and it will be it will have things that the Asian market wants. And I also don't know how much crossover there will be from, you know, Americans going over. Of course, you know, there'll be diehards, but that's that's not an inexpensive flight. That's not, you know, you're not just going for a three night cruise to go on the adventure. You're going to go and, and explore different parts of Asia if you're going to do that, which is it, it's not a, an easy undertaking for most Americans. So yeah, I have, you're have feel- to pair it with an ABD. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I think it might almost be, you know, while it's part of Disney Cruise Line, it might almost feel like its own separate entity in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly from a design standpoint, a size standpoint, it's an outlier, although maybe it uh, portends where Disney will head with its next round of ships. Maybe they'll have a bunch built that look like the mm-hmm. what was the global dream? The it's global kind of the dream, yeah. Yeah. I hope not. I, I hope not, too. It, it is interesting to me from a strategy standpoint, because if I think about it, like Royal uses its cruises outside the U.S. as a way to get its American cruising market, at least in part over to Europe, right? Like, let's let's get Americans over to Europe and tour that way with Royal Caribbean. Of course, they're trying to advertise the local crowd too. But I think to your point, Aaron, this feels much more like a, this is a ship for the Asian market and for, you know, the folks who live over there to sail on in the same way that like the Australia cruises, you know, it's time of year dependent, but there's not a lot there. If you wanted to head over and visit Australia and use Disney Cruise Line as a way to see it, it's not a great option. Yeah. I- 
I was hoping also to hear at some point more about more river cruises, Ooh. more, you know, and, and I know that partnership with National Geographic seems to be popular, but again, so expensive, so, so expensive. But there are other rivers almost, uh, you know, I would, it would be nice almost if they had an American river cruise. I don't know. Uh, to align to the Rivers of America attraction, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that would be great. But there are river cruises that go down the Mississippi and so on, you know, yeah. that, that might be, I don't know if it's too low of a, a price point maybe for Disney. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you taking time to come chat the treasure with us and want to give you a chance to talk about all the great ways that folks can connect with you and of course, how they can go find a copy of the unofficial guide, which is uh, coming out soon. Soon, Yes, it's it's now at the printer. It will be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places where you buy books the first week of December. And it's certainly available for pre-order now, the 2024 guide. And if you're like on the fence, should I buy it now? Should I wait? I will tell you honestly that the 2023 one that's on shelves now has a lot of the the COVID stuff still in it. And so it, it's it's not as up to date as it could be. So, you know, if you're if you're planning a trip for 2024, I would wait to get the the 2024 book, but, you know, or get it, get the old one at your library or, or that sort of thing. And where can you find me? I'm Ms. Aaron Foster on Twitter slash X, whatever it is. <laughs> you can, I, I blog a couple times a week on the Touring Plans blog, often about cruises. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you, Aaron. We've got our unofficial guide on pre-order, I think, as I said earlier on, maybe off air. And so can't wait for it to arrive. And I guess if you have the old copy, rip the sections out about COVID because we're all trying to <laughs> About it. Yeah, and he and head out and get your new copy. But thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. Good night.